Thanks for listening to this week's message. We want to hear what God is doing in your life through the ministry of Res Life Holland. If you have a testimony, please email us at info at To learn more about us or to contribute to this ministry financially, check us out on Facebook or visit rlcholland.com. I want to teach you guys and talk to you guys about uh, just trust in the Father, okay? Trust in the Father. such an easy concept when things go well. <laughs> but I'm going to be honest with you. When we go through hardships, when we go through tough times, there are things that we tend to uh, forget or not think of in the midst of that. But when we're out of it and life is okay and, 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 and going, we remember the victory of, of Christ. And so today I just want to simply look at the example of Jesus and what he did when he walked this world. See, when Jesus was walking, there were moments in his life he had to walk through some type of darkness where it was uncomfortable for him. For instance, the Garden of Gethsemane, if you guys didn't know this, right before he was crucified, he went into the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed to the Father. We're talking about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He prayed to the Father, Lord, take this cup away. In other words, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. But at the end of it, he says, but your will be done. At that moment, he was uncomfortable. It was uneasy for him because he knew what was about to happen. And he even tried to reason with God, God, is there any other way? Take this away from me, Lord, but your will be done. The Son of God also walked through some junk when he was here on earth. And so I believe with all my heart, according to the word of God, Jesus is the perfect, not a good, not a great, not a better, the perfect example of how we should walk when we're here on earth. And we're going to go to his scriptures, and we're going to start right at the crucifixion, right where the death starts happening. This is Luke chapter 23, verse 44 through 47. It says, by this time, it was about noon, and darkness, everyone say darkness, and darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. He's hanging on a cross about six hours now, guys. He's hanging about six hours. The light from the sun was gone. Has anybody ever felt like, man, it's just not a sunny day for you? And I'm not talking about literally outside, but just in your life. A little bit of cloudy, a little bit of dark. At this time, Jesus is literally facing the light from the sun is now gone, darkness. And suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. His last words were, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. I'm not an expert, but even from movies and from experiences and people that maybe uh, stepped into uh, the natural life into eternity, it always sounded like their words were whispers because of the strength that they had left. The, the, the dying words that people, it's, it's not a shout, it's a last breath. But the scripture shows us that he shouted with a purpose. It's what I saw. He shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And that was his last breath. Continue on, when the Roman officer, or the centurion in other words, when the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, 
he worshiped God and said, surely this man was innocent. Let's look at this officer for a second. Okay, I'm pretty sure this is not a new thing for this officer. I'm pretty sure he has done many executions. And the reason why I bring that up is because for the first time, he said he saw something happen. I mean, I can imagine this, this officer uh, uh, constantly doing this because this is his duty. It's his responsibility. And for the first time, he sees a man up there, Jesus Christ, and he saw something happen, something different to the point where he started worshiping God, there had to be some type of life change for that officer because of what Jesus had uh, ex uh, exemplified on the cross. It wasn't his first execution in, my, in my, my take when I look at the Bible because the man has come to God through the crucifixion and the death of Jesus Christ. Now, looking at the rest of this passage, there are two things that stand out because there are many ways there are many, many ways we can, and many teachings that we can learn out of this passage. But I want to just show you two things that really stuck out to me. And the two things that stuck out to me in this entire passage was darkness, because we just talked about, we just repeated that. There was darkness on Jesus' road, and he entrusted his heavenly father. He entrusted his spirit to his heavenly father. So what did this officer see? Well, the officer saw three characteristics in Jesus Christ. And the first characteristic was that he, Jesus volunteered his life. He gave his life. It wasn't taken. I mean, I know if you would study it out, you would look at the, the arguments that they had of who took Jesus' life. Was it the Romans? Was it Pontius Pilate? Was it the crowd? Was it the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and all those that believed in the law? Let me tell you guys something. It was none of them. Nobody took his life. Jesus gave his life on the cross. That was the first characteristic that, that, that we see on the cross is that Jesus volunteered. He wasn't voluntold. He was volunteered. He volunteered himself. He gave his life. The second characteristic he had was he had confidence in the calling that he had, in the purpose. He was confident that he was doing the will of God. And that's why I believe he shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. That's confidence. That's boldness. And the last characteristic that you see that Jesus had when he gave his life was he trusted God. He trusted him at the most darkest point of his life. The most darkest, probably one of the most wor like worst, I don't know if that's a good word or not, but the worst ways you could possibly be executed and he trusted God. He gave him his life. And the reason is because Jesus focused on the Father, not on the pain, not on the suffering. He focused on the, uh, on the Father. Let, let me tell you guys something. Jesus didn't deny the pain. He wasn't denying the suffering. It was there and it was real. But his focus, his focus was not on the problem. The focus was on the Father, because when he focused on the Father, sufferings and pain wasn't controlling him. Think about it for a second. He even got to a point where they offered him some type of painkiller medicine, and he turned it away. He was focused on the Father and the will of God and what he had to do, and the officer saw that. 
The officer saw that, that his eyes were gazed on the Father, and because a man's eyes was gazed on the Father, a man came to worship God and said, I need this living, true God in my life. We all walk through seasons, guys, of darkness. There are seasons in our life where life hits us fast, hits us really fast. And I want to talk to you guys about when we face darkness in our life, when we walk through a season of darkness, I want to remind you four truths. Now, some of you guys are going to hear this truth, and it's going to be the first time you're going to hear this at all, what the word says, and that is a good thing. You are here for a reason and with a purpose. And the majority of you guys already know these truths, but we need reminders, okay? We need reminders of these truths because we remember truths when things are great, but when things are dark, we don't think about these truths. And we tend to isolate ourselves or, or allow fear to kick in or worry and anxiety to, to, to take our sleep. So we need these reminders of truth. And the first truth that, needs, that we need to remember while we walk, walk in darkness is I have a father in heaven who loves me. Let me say that again. I have a father in heaven who loves me. In Psalms 103, 13 says that the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Man, you can see the the characteristic of God, that he doesn't explain himself as a God or as the creator, but as a father. Most of us have children here. Uh, I'm a father, and there's just something different in how I treat my children because they're my children. And I think you guys can say the same thing. Because they're my children, they, they're the apple of my eye. They're, you know, I'm willing to jump in the gaps for them. I'm willing to, intercede, I'm willing to correct. I'm willing to, to nurture and, and take care and be compassionate alongside with my wife as a mother. And the father identifies him as, himself as that in the book of Psalms. He says, like a father to his children, I am tender and compassionate for those that, that, that fear me and those that want to live for, uh, for me. See, there is no earthly father that can compare to our heavenly father. Now, we can come close. I mean, we may have these traits, but we also have flaws. As an earthly father, I have flaws. I love the Lord with all my heart. And I and I am just sustained by his grace. But man, I mess up sometimes. So there is no one on earth that can compare to a heavenly father. Some of us may be in a situation where it's been a rough one. It was hard, you know, growing up, or maybe they're not in, in your life or what or, or, or an issue like that. But here's the thing: no earthly father compares to a heavenly father who simply loves you. So when we walk in a darkness and we remember that truth, I have a father in heaven who simply loves me. We need to exemplify, we need to follow what Jesus did on the cross and we need to gaze, take our eyes off of the pain and gaze our eyes on our daddy. Now, again, I had four, I have four children, eight, six, Four and one. I'm already starting to lose count a little bit. But here's the thing. Uh, through the entire season of my children growing up, we always had to take them to the doctor's office. Obviously, we had checkups and, you know, the, the whole routine on that whole deal. And um, there was always that one point where they had to get a shot <laughs> or a sh- couple of shots. And all four of them have done the same thing. You know, as babies, you know, whether it's a certain shot or, or 
I don't even know what it is exactly. My wife knows more, but, but I'm there. I'm right there with them, and she'll say, you know, just, just distract them for a little bit. And I would have my children, and the two nurses will come in, and they'll game plan. <laughs> it takes three nurses to take a baby, so I'm just, I'm just saying. I think it's funny sometimes. And a dad. I'm there, too, holding them. But uh, I, I look at my children, and I'm, I'm having them gaze at me, and I'm having them focus on me for the moment. And it's so funny because they're smiling, they're laughing. Then the poke happens, right? And it's like, <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 look, look, look at me. Don't, don't worry about the pain. Just look at me. And they're just like, ah! And then they start screaming their heads off. They just start screaming their heads off. But when I continue through that pain just to have them focus and, and I grab them because it's like a split second that this all happens. I'm, I'm, I'm holding them and I'm being uh, tender to them and I'm just soothing them. I know that pain is bad, but it's good for you. I know this pain is not, you know, it's there, but I'm here this entire time. I've been here the whole time. And I know you went through that, that little bit of pain, but I wanted you to continue to focus on, on me. It, it's, it's, it's so natural to them. The same thing happens. And then within like two minutes, they calm down. And then they start laughing, and I wipe the tears off, or my wife wipes the tears off. Because at that moment, they, were, they had to continue to gaze, but they took it off for just a second. Now, I have children that are older now. You know, we had our, our, our four-year-old. She just had a shot, and we, you know, she knows, like, okay, why are we here? You know, we're walking in the doctor's office. Is it Joshua? Is it Malaya? No, it's you. Okay. And she walks in. She knows what's coming. And we talk her through it. You know, like, you know this is going to happen, but it's going to be so fast. You got this. You're going to do this. Just continue to focus on me. Then we go in there, and the shot's about to happen. And she knows already. And she braces herself. And the boat happens. And I'm like, look at me. It's all good. They're all done already. She breathes like, oh, yeah. I didn't cry, you know, and it's just so awesome to see that because she learned to fix her eyes on us when we're there during that little bit of suffering. What am I saying? When we walk through a darkness, when we go through some type of suffering in life, or when, let me say it this way, when life smacks us and comes unexpectedly, okay, when life comes running at us full speed, the Lord wants us to fix our eyes on him. He wants us to continue to fix our eyes on him. He wants us to simply remember, hey, you still have a father who loves you. Don't question me. I love you. So those times when we're walking in a darkness and we say, God, where, where are you? He said, I'm here the whole time. Fix your eyes on me. Remember this truth. I love you. I love you. The second truth that we need to remember when we walk through this darkness is my father can be trusted. My father not only loves me, but my father can be trusted. Psalms 33, 4 says, for the word of the Lord holds true. And we, everyone say we, we. the church, that's what it is. The we is the church, us, the children of God. And we can trust everything he does. My father can be trusted. If we look at the example of Jesus, he's literally in the lowest of lows, darkest day of them all, yet light's coming later on. Jesus says, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. I entrust all of me into your hands. Now, I was a little curious. I wanted to dive a little bit deeper on in the word entrust. And in the English definition of entrust is literally to put something into someone's care or protection. 
When I entrust my mom for the moment, mom, take my kids for the weekend, I've entrusted my kids that she's going to care and protect them. And bottom line, she's got it. If I have a babysitter, Pastor Danny right here, and I said, hey, watch my kids for the weekend, I entrust him with my children. He's got it. Or Pastor Sean or, or, or you guys as well. If I, if I give something that's so valuable, so precious to me, and I hand them over for a weekend because we got to go on a date, you know, it's one of those things where, where I entrust them. And I believe that they're going to protect and, and care for them. And so that was the English definition. But I love the Greek definition because the word entrust in the Greek is paradithemai. Paradithemai, sorry guys. Paradithemai, which literally, literally, literally translates to deposit. A deposit. When you entrust something, you deposit. So when Jesus says, I trust, I entrust my spirit unto you, Lord, he has deposited himself into the Father. Think about it for a second. When you go to a bank and you deposit something, you are depositing maybe your full paycheck and you're expecting that paycheck to be there when you come back for it, right? You've deposited this money that you, you, were, you were saying, I entrust the bank, I'm depositing this. Uh, I forgot what movie it was, it was a long time ago, but I remember that there was these, this big like bolt or, or vault in the safe and it was like a safety box. And they would put their valuables, like, you know, jewelry or pictures or whatever it is, and they would keep it in this safety box and, and, and the bank. And they, whoever they entrusted it with, whoever they wanted to in, have inherit that, they would come back to that safety box and it would be there because they would have the code or the key or the combination. And what those people were doing was they were entrusting this bank to take their valuables. They deposited it into the bank so when later with a grandchild came back, that was there for them. And it was safe and it was protected. Here's the thing. Who are you? Who am I entrusting my life with? All right? Who am I going to trust? You see, because when we walk through a darkness, have we entrusted our entire life? Have we deposited our entire life in the son, Jesus Christ, and saying, you got me? You protect me. You care for me. Have we entrusted all of our character and who we are into the Father? Or are we entrusting it into money or into a person or into a relationship? Or even, this is a, this is a big one, or even into our emotions. Have we entrusted our entire life into that or into the Father? And I don't come with you with a, with a, uh, a harsh where are you at. It's more of, hey, check, check yourself where you're at because God wants you to entrust your life into his hands. See, we trust the lives of, uh, we trust our lives sometimes in the people and it can hurt us. It can, it can fail us sometimes. We need to remember the truth. My father can be trusted because he has hands that can hold the universe. JL here earlier was saying um, he has the whole world, right? Or the whole universe, I think, is what you said. And I love that because I'm like, Jail, you're setting me up. This is awesome. This is perfect. But God is able. God is able to take our entire life, our failures, our flaws, our mistakes. We can give that to him and watch him do a work in you. My father can be trusted. Everyone say, my father can be trusted. The third truth. Okay, not only does he love me, not only can we trust him, but the third truth that we need to stand on and remember during those hard times is my father is taking care of all things I can't see. 
My father's taking care of everything that I can't see in the natural. One of the things that we tend to do when we're in a dark place is we just can't see the result or the solution. We can't see it. So by nature, we just want to uh, panic or do something on our own. But during those dark moments, remember this truth that my father is taking care of things I can't see. I love playing um, hide and seek in the dark with my kids. But when I was a kid, when I was a kid, okay, I used to go to my grandma's house. And my uncle lived with my my grandma. And uh, we made up this game. It was literally hide and seek in the dark. But we made up this game. I don't know why we called it this, but we called it Dungeon. <laughs> I don't know why we called it that, but we called it Dungeon. And the, the object of the game is one person is it, obviously, they're counting. Everyone else runs around the house, and uh, we, <laughs> we hide. And this person is trying to find literally pitch black, just trying to work his way. No flashlights, no light. The entire house is black. But here's the, here's the kicker. The people that were hiding will turn on the light, and when we were ready, we will call them to come out, but we were setting up traps. Okay, so we would get like the ironing board and we would flip it to the side. We'll get a chair and put it in the way. I mean, we would just do all these little obstacles. So when the person was coming to look, they would stumble and trip and praise the Lord, nothing ever happened because that, I don't know why we did that. We all have one of those uncles, right? (laughs) But here's the thing. It was a fun game, but during the time that I was it, man, I was like, man, I know how they're, what they're going to do. So I would have to do this. Well, few years go by, we play this like a lot, a few years go by, and I finally picked up something. I said, if I stood still and I just listened, I want to know exactly where they're at. And I did. So when I was in, I was still because I'm like, they, they're setting up all these traps. I'm not moving. I am not moving. And I would listen, and I would hear, <laughs> right? And I'm like, and I'm like, I found you by, and I knew where the house was at, by, you know, by the kitchen table. Oh, man, and I didn't even move. Like, I called them out because I learned through the process of, of that game that there was going to be obstacles, and I couldn't see it, but I had to listen, and I could figure things out. In a sense, when we can't see anything, this is what I'm trying to say, when we can't see anything, we have to sit and listen. We have to sit and listen and trust that the Lord can see all things. Because he sees what the enemy's trying to flip over over here so you can stumble and what he can turn over here so you can trip. He sees that. But when we can stop and listen and you hear the devil, ha, I caught you, dude. I ain't going that way. You, you know what I'm saying? And here, here's the thing. When you can't see it, we get antsy because we want to we see it. But there are times it is okay you don't see it because there is a grand picture of it all. When I was with my grandmother, I couldn't see what was happening. But the Spirit of God did, and he knew she'd come back to life. And I had to listen for the moment and not allow my pain in my heart that I had take control of me. And because I listened, the Lord led me to this position, and I was able to declare his word. And miracles happened. You have that power because of Christ. Don't forget that. You have that power. My father is taking care of you and me uh, during the times we can't see it. Have you ever been uh, um, in a lightning storm and your power went out? Hmm. We're extra cautious, right? Here's the thing. We may get antsy and agitated because we haven't had power for a day or for a couple of hours or for five minutes. But when you don't see it, the electricians are working. And they're working their tails off, especially when it hits a whole region of of a city or two cities. 
They are working their tails off, and before you know it, light's back. But in the midst of it, you had to be patient and wait. What you couldn't see, they were doing, but you trusted them to do it. Because without them, you would have no light. What you can't see in your life when you're walking in darkness, trust that the Lord is working. He is doing it. And before you know it, light turns on in your life. While we wait, God is working. Job went through a lot of garbage in his life. And I love uh, Job chapter 23, verse 9. Uh, yeah, 23, 9 uh, through 10. It says, when he is at work in the north, I do not see him. When he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him. But he knows the way that I take, and when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. We have to have an attitude of what Job had. He knew he was being tested. He knew the garbage that he was walking through was only to benefit him and glorify his father. Because he knew, I'm going to walk out of this in gold. Where are we at during those times we walk? We may not see him to the north or to the south or anywhere or, uh, around us, but he is there and he is ready for you to walk out of fire and to reach people around you. The only thing that God does when he tests us is he's allowing us to grow is what he's doing. I mean, we look at school. When we take a test, we graduate to the next level. It took me a little bit, but I got there. I got my diploma and we're good. 2 Corinthians 4 17 and 18 says, for our, light and, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary. Remember that, guys. But what is unseen is eternal. There is a bigger picture in our lives that we may not see. But when we listen, we know where to go. The fourth truth. The fourth truth is my father can handle anything I, everyone say I, I, I put in his hands. My father can handle anything that I put in his hands. There are so many times where I used to, um, when I would walk through something, as a believer, I would walk through something and I would try to, you know, do it myself because I just, I'm going to do this right for you. I remember one time I, I, was in, I was still in Bible school, and I worked on campus on the grounds crew, and, you know, we would cut the grass, and it was a pretty big campus, and I was in a truck, and I, I can't remember exactly what the problem was, but I ended up, um, I think I might have hurt someone's feelings, and I, I, I was so sorry about it, and I'm driving my truck, and I'm like, man, why, why, did, why would I do that? Why would I do that? That is not Christ. That is not God, and I'm just like, just cracking a whip on myself. And I told the Lord right then and there, I said, Lord, I am sorry. Forgive me. I will be perfect for you. And I heard the Spirit of God speak so loud and clear. He says, well, if you're aiming for perfection, you don't need my son. I know Joe. In the middle of the road. And I stopped. I was like, no, 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 no. I didn't mean that. Then what did you mean? I just need you, God. That's all I need. I just need you. I had to give him my flaws I had to remember that he can handle anything I had so he can continue to do a work in me. While I was pursuing perfection, he just wanted me just to uh, follow him. He wanted me to follow his ways and learn from him, not look for perfection, but to grow in maturity with him. That's what he wanted me to do. 
In John, you see uh, uh, Jesus talking to the people, and they're questioning him. And in John chapter 10, it says, verse 28, 29, it says, I give them eternal life, Jesus says, and they shall never perish. No one, and absolutely no one, will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. Not some, not a few, but he is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hands. God's purpose is greater than our problems, and we need to remember that. That when God is working in our lives and we walk through a darkness, watch the glory happen. Watch people come to Christ. Perfect testimony. Sorry, I got excited. Perfect testimony. Okay, the most uh, darkest week I've been walking through is the most, uh, uh, I'm seeing more people come to Christ than I ever had uh, gone through when I'm just walking a good life with Christ. Because it's during that darkness, I have to listen and I have to put my trust into God. So the question is this, guys, where are you at with Christ? Now, some of you guys might already know this. But you guys needed the reminder. Maybe this is brand new to you guys for the first time. And that is good because you are here for a reason. Do not allow darkness in life or maybe troubles in life disqualify you. When you focus your eyes on the Father and take your eyes off the pain, watch God work on your behalf for his glory. Watch your weakness become his strength. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, I just thank you right now for just a moment that we were able just to talk about your...